I began to sing the solo, and the audience began to laugh. And I did finish it. I walked off, maybe crying, ready to run from the door. Somehow, the fear of being embarrassed, because they were all laughing at me, not with me, but at me, and it really hurt. And that experience is fresh in my memory today. Hi, I'm Mary Lynn Kinderberg, your host of Language on Purpose. You were just listening to Dr. Jim Bruce. In today's episode, I'll share some clips from a recent conversation I had with Dr. Bruce and read some excerpts from his blog posts. I'll ask you some questions and make some additional remarks. After retiring from MIT as a professor and CIO, Jim coached executives and, along with more associates, led workshops in leadership development for the top 50 universities. His blog posts number well over 700 with an audience of around 5,000. Impressive, huh? Why am I featuring a person like Jim in a language learning podcast? I think you'll be able to connect the dots. Let's first hear the rest of Jim's singing story. As an early child, uh, or a young child, I remember a situation where I was volunteered or volunteered to be part of a show uh, for a parents' night at the small elementary school that I was attending in Shepherd, Texas. And my part was to sing a solo. I don't know why I was chosen, or I don't know whether I volunteered. But there I was, standing on the stage in front of perhaps 100, 150 parents, teachers, and I began to sing the solo. And the audience began to laugh. And I did finish it, but I walked off, maybe crying, ready to run from the building. Somehow the fear of being embarrassed, because they were all laughing at, not with me, but at me, and it really hurt. And that experience is fresh in my memory today. And in fact, if I'm honest, even if I'm sitting in church and everyone around me is singing a hymn, I probably sit there and lip sync words without any sound. We all experience things like that in our lives, and they all are very limiting in what we do going forward. So my question to you is, what past mistakes are carrying over into your language learning that keep you from singing, so to speak? Something that happened in French class in college when you got laughed at? Or maybe it's a mistake you recently made while talking at the corner store. Or when trying to say something at church. Or you fill in the blank. Previous mistakes and reactions to them can create a fear of failure that defines your language learning. Don't let it. Let's hear some more from Jim. 
there are some things I don't know how to overcome in my life. I don't know how to overcome the singing. But that carries on to standing up in front of a group speaking. It creates fear that somehow I won't be sufficiently prepared to present the material in a way that not only shows confidence on my part that I'm right, but can inspire the people in the room. For me, how I set myself up to be successful in such situations is through preparing as well as I can for everything I do as a dumb and stupid thing. Earlier this afternoon, my wife asked me to run downtown and buy uh, some donuts for her. Ten-minute trip. Well, what kind of donuts would you like to have? I want to make sure I've got the right thing on the checklist. What's the route I'm going to take? I even think through, will there be parking at the donut shop? Will I have to go find somewhere else? In my mind, I over-prepare, but I had much rather over-prepare than not prepare or under-prepare. Jim went on to say, and I quote, facing the possibility of failing, being embarrassed in front of my colleagues, always up the ante on me to always be prepared, always rehearsing, always thinking through the things that might come up in a big presentation or even in the small ones, end quote. You may not exactly be on a donut mission, but man, I would be if donuts were a thing in my location. But do you anticipate the language you will need for a given communication situation? What will I say when I go to get my hair cut? What words will I need to know? I checked out how to say, cut my bangs shorter before I went to get my hair cut. I'll be right back with an interview I heard on NPR. Here's the story. A young man immigrated to the U.S. with some English under his belt. He was hungry in the airport, decided that a chicken sandwich sounded good. He spotted a subway and got in line, feeling confident that he would be able to say in rather good English, I'd like a chicken sandwich, please. But the man told how he was totally unprepared for the ensuing onslaught of questions from the girl taking his order. What kind of chicken? What kind of bread would you like? What about cheese? Toasted or not toasted? What kind of dressing or sauce? Do you want to drink with that? How about a cookie? I don't know what he eventually ended up with for his sandwich, but I would hope that he learned the questions and was prepared for any further visits to a subway. So, okay, once you anticipate the language you'll need, the next obvious step is practice. How can you practice ahead of time? Maybe in a role play with your language helper, friend, spouse. Of course, practicing with a native speaker is ideal, but doesn't necessarily have to be. Even talking to yourself in front of your mirror can be helpful. Rote memorization can trip you up sometimes, 
but just get comfortable with the key phrases. Go for it. Plan and practice. Jim mentioned in a blog post that a certain speaker practiced her 20-minute TED Talk more than 200 times with a result of 27 million views. In this clip, Jim mentions how a pastor firmly believed in practice before a performance in the pulpit. Before he let a junior minister in the pulpit, he would take them on several Sunday afternoons in a row and have them stand at the pulpit of that empty sanctuary and preach their sermon to him and get his corrections. And then they'd come back the following Sunday and he'd do it again. And two or three Sundays. It goes without saying, of course, that you can practice to the point that you never get out the dang door. Here's one more comment from Jim's blog. And again, I quote, you often don't practice because you avoid something that scares you. You procrastinate, and avoidance eliminates practice. Without practice, it is difficult to gain mastery. Without mastery, confidence is less likely to arise. Enough said. So what happens after you make a mistake? Be defiant. Avoid making the same mistake again. Did you screw up a sound and so communicated a wrong meaning? Make up a list of words that are alike except for that problematic sound. They're called minimal pairs. Forgive the example, but native Spanish speakers learning English often need to practice the difference between bitch and beach, since Spanish doesn't have that I and E vowel contrast. So here's the simple drill. After making that list of those minimal pairs, pictures would be great, your language helper or native speaker says a word and you simply point to the word or picture. Comprehension always is the first step, right? Then once you're comfortable distinguishing the words, you say the word and your partner indicates which one you said. Another pointer here is to make sure you practice sounds in different places where it could occur. For example, at the beginning, middle, or end of words, after or before consonants or vowels. True confessions here, it is still hard for me to say a trilled R in Spanish at the beginning of a word. And wouldn't you know, we lived for a while with a Roxana and a Rodrigo. Ugh. How about verbs? Did you choke on a verb ending? Be defiant. Practice those endings in similar sentences. Have what Jim calls a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset that says, I'm caught in this mistake and I'm a loser when it comes to language learning. Maybe you bit off more than you could chew in a communication situation that was way over your head. Were your expectations of yourself too high? Are you a proud perfectionist? Maybe to get your confidence back, choose those situations where you've been doing fine at communicating. Hey, give yourself a pat on the back for the times you've done well. Also, 
you can fight your way back from a mistake by arming yourself with some next time strategies. For example, next time I understand the price wrong, I'll just hand them a large bill and get change. Next time I get laughed at, I'll say, that was funny, huh? Or could you write that down what I said wrong? Or looks like I've still got a lot to learn. Thank you for your help. Lauren Vitrano Wilson, author of Tip of the Tongue blog, once said, I think I was sent to learn Thai just so I could provide some humor for the Thai people. This is probably not in any language learning manual, and don't quote me, but I'll say it anyway. Honestly, it's okay next time to just not go back to where you made that mistake and got laughed at. There are plenty of other kind people out there. Jim will never get on a stage again and sing another solo. Sort of like if a dog bites you on your jogging route, change your route. When I was learning Quechua in a small Andean village, little kiosk-style stores on the town plaza were stops on my communication route. One day I went into a store on the pretense of buying something, and some men were hanging out. They began making sexual puns and laughing at me. Note to self, don't go in a store full of men. And I found out from a trusted friend just what the words were they were punning on. Eggs was one of them, by the way, if you get it. But definitely do seek out people who will gently correct you. My Vietnamese language helper would constantly roll her eyes when I got something wrong, which was often, and declare with a dramatic hand to forehead, you give me headache. I don't doubt it, but not too encouraging. In contrast, my Mexican colleague I taught Spanish with at the university, to this day, is so great at gentle correction. She just calmly says the right word after I say the wrong word. I still give her calls for an occasional chuckle, but she never laughs at me. Bless you, Veronica. Te quiero montón. I know Jim, and I know he would conclude this episode by saying, let mistakes move you forward instead of trapping you in fear and avoidance. Be defiant. Arm yourself with some next time strategies. Do those drills. Work on that growth mindset. Get back out there. Let's land squarely on these words by American writer Albert Hubbard. There is no failure except in no longer trying. There is no failure except in no longer trying. Keep at it, guys. So long until next time. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher, or always at languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe and you won't miss an episode. I'm Marilyn Kindberg, and this is Language on Purpose.